Wednesday, April 3rd, 2013, episode number 44 of the Football Nation Today podcast with Alex Reamer on footballnation.com. Welcome inside episode number 44 of the Football Nation Today podcast, hosted by yours truly, Alex Reamer, published on Wednesdays right here on footballnation.com, and if you're downloading convenience in the iTunes store, please subscribe to the Football Nation Today podcast in the iTunes store if you have yet to do so. We are just a few weeks away from the start of the NFL draft, the first round of the draft, of course, the past couple years has taken place in prime time on a weeknight, another brilliant marketing move by the NFL as they continue their ascend to 12-month sporting calendar domination. But with all the domination the NFL has over the other three major sports in this country, and as I said, they're continuing their march towards 12-month domination, there is one day, just one, the NFL will never be able to own, and that day happened this week, this Monday, opening day across Major League Baseball. Now, The real opening night was this Sunday night, in which the Rangers and Astros played each other, and that's another reason why the NFL is ahead of MLB in every other league, because the NFL, of course, opens up the season with the defending Super Bowl champs, usually playing at home, unless the Orioles don't want to give up a home playoff day, a home regular season day, excuse me, in September. They don't want to move the night game to the day game, so Ravens will open on the road this year, but usually, Super Bowl team opens up at home, it's a big event, primetime, Thursday night game. That's how the NFL does it. How does baseball do it? Rangers, Astros. Rangers, of course, blew the AL West lead last season, did not qualify for the playoffs, and no, qualifying for the one-game one wild card round does not count as qualifying for the playoffs. Sorry. And the Astros, uh, well, they are in the American League now, but they may very well be not only the worst team in baseball this year, but the worst team in baseball history. Uh, So, boy, isn't that a great way to open in front of a primetime audience. But opening day on Monday, the real opening day, one of the best sporting days of the year. Steve Buckley, the Boston Herald, good friend of my Red Sox podcast without a curse, good friend of mine, stated it perfectly on Twitter on Monday in which he said, only baseball has an opening day, the other sports merely open. Now, Tommy Curran, former guest of this show of Comcast Sportsnet New England, came back at Buck and said, yes, and then the NFL goes away silently in November because nobody cares, (laughs) and he's right, too. That's, of course, because of football, but still opening day, one of the best sporting days of the year, harbinger of spring and all that corny stuff. But inside this edition of Football Nation today, we have a lot of football news to get to. As I said, the draft, just a few short weeks away, but still sifting through some free agent news. The quarterback carousel. Top news in the NFL over the past week with Tony Romo headlining the list. The six-year, $108 million extension, $55 million guaranteed. The question is, why? Why did the Cowboys give Romo this deal? And just because they may have had to give him the deal because of salary cap implications does not mean it's a good deal. I'll explain in the first down segment, and also a lot of crappy veteran quarterbacks switching teams over the past week. Um, (laughs) 
boy, how important is the QB position, huh? We'll talk about that and run through the list of some quarterbacks, teams like the Browns and Bills have tried it out there over the past decade. Not pretty. Then the second down segment, we talk about the biggest off-field NFL story of the past week with all the money flying around with quarterbacks. The question is, Aaron Rodgers, how much will he sign for? And does he owe the Packers a hometown discount? I say, no, he doesn't. NFL players don't owe their teams anything. I'll explain why I think that way in the second down segment. Third down segment, it's the big up slowdown segment, debating topics such as whether or not the Ravens have gotten better this offseason since they signed Michael Huff last week. Uh, will all these veteran quarterbacks moving around have an effect on Geno Smith and other QBs in this year's draft class? And Barack Obama met with Robert Griffin III last week at the NCAA basketball tournament. He told Robert Griffin III to protect himself. Will RG3 listen? Should he listen? Then the fourth down segment, it's the Reamer rant. Brief rant this week on all you draft nerds who want to find the next Russell Wilson, the next Andrew Luck, the next sleeper pick, the next this, the next that. Stop talking about it because you don't know. The teams themselves don't even know. It's Football Nation Today, episode number 44. We'll be right back on footballnation.com. So the headline news over the past week in the NFL is Tony Romo's monster contract extension with the Cowboys. Six years, $108 million overall, $55 million guaranteed with a $25 million signing bonus. Now, why did the Cowboys give Romo this staggering contract? Well, it's pretty simple. If you read everything coming out of Dallas, if you listen to people with intimate knowledge of the situation, Talk about it. They all say the Cowboys re-signed Tony Romo because they had to. They extended Tony Romo because they had to. Romo's cap number this year was a whopping $16.8 million. Even with all the restructuring the Cowboys did, they restructured pretty much anybody who they could have restructured. They still had a mere $51,000 in cap space or something ridiculous like that. That's why Michael Huff didn't commit to Dallas and instead committed to the Ravens last week. Oh, wait, I thought the Ravens were cash-strapped too. I thought the Ravens, like the Cowboys, were up against the cap. Ooh, I guess not. As we said last week, after the Ravens shelled out all that guaranteed money to Elvis Dumerville, I said, look, the Ravens made the decisions they made this offseason not because they were forced to by the salary cap, but because they wanted to. And we'll expand upon those thoughts in the third down segment. Don't you worry. But the Cowboys were legitimately in cap jail. Why? Because Michael Huff didn't even want to commit to them. Even with all the restructuring they did, they restructured anybody and everybody. They still had barely any wiggle room out from under the salary cap, due in part to Tony Romo's $16.8 million cap hit for the upcoming season. So, with this new contract, the Cowboys get roughly $5 to $6 million in cap space. Romo's cap hit for 2013 is now closer to $11 million. But I say, even though, looking at the situation, the Cowboys may have not had another choice, and Romo was in the final year of his deal, but due to the structure of his contract, they couldn't have franchised him next season. So, the Cowboys maybe had no other choice. Totally backed up into a corner. And that's why they had to sign Romo to this extension. And that's why when you look at it, it's actually a good deal. That's what people around the league are saying. Or at least some around the league are saying. I should say those who are in the bag for the owners and the teams. That's what they're saying. 
But the rest of us, the realists out there who look at these things objectively, are saying, I don't care if the Cowboys had to do this because of the salary cap. It's still an awful contract. Because number one, whose fault is that? That you've painted yourself into this corner where the only way out is to give Tony Romo $55 million guaranteed over six seasons. Who faults, whose fault is that? That's Jerry Jones's fault, the owner and, of course, de facto general manager. And just because you had to sign the deal doesn't make it a good deal. I mean, the Cowboys are probably going to be right back in the same situation next year. Yes, next year. Now, the Joe Flacco deal with the Ravens looks ludicrous on paper, though not as ludicrous as this. Roma gets $55 million guaranteed, same as Drew Brees. Flacco just got a mere $51 million guaranteed, so Romo actually is getting paid more than Flacco. But anyway, in the first two years of the Flacco contract, as we've covered on the show, the cap hits are actually fairly minimal. And for 2013, Flacco's cap hit is very minimal, which has allowed the Ravens to sign Dumerville, sign Huff, and a couple other free agents on the defensive side of the football this offseason, even though, you know, if you listen to them, they're supposedly in cap jail. That's why they had to let everyone go. No, no, they wanted everyone to go. But anyway, for the Cowboys and Romo, that's not the case. Fast forward just one year. One season, 2014. Romo has a $13.5 million base salary with, hey, listen to this, $21.7 million cap hit. That's even more than his $16.8 million cap hit for this season, prior to this new deal. So the Cowboys are going to be right back where they were last year, uh, this year, excuse me, next year. Romo's cap hit for next year is nearly $22 million. Cowboys couldn't handle $16.8 million this year. How are they going to be able to handle $21.7 million next year? With pretty much the same roster. Because there are a lot of long-term contracts there. Contracts there. In 2015, Romo has a $17 million base salary with a $25 million cap hit. How are they going to be able to handle that? $16.8 million couldn't handle it. Well, next year it's $21.7 million. The year after that, it's $25 million. In 2016... It's a $15 million cap hit. In 2017, it's a $19 million cap hit. Explain to me how this frees up the Cowboys for the immediate future. They're going to be back in the same place they were this year, next year. Or at least in a place very close to it. Unlike the Flacco deal. This doesn't give the Cowboys any legitimate breathing room. For the immediate future. They can wiggle out of cap jail this year. And free up $5 million or so of cap space. Which they have to apply to the draft. Or at least apply a lot of it to the draft. So they're going to be right back where they were this year. Next year. It's a $21.7 million cap at next season. So just because the Cowboys maybe had to sign this contract. Doesn't mean it's a good contract. From a financial perspective. And never mind the fact that, oh yeah, you're committing this kind of money, you're committing these kind of years to Tony Romo. Who, at 33 years old, you are now anointing your franchise quarterback. You are anointing him to be your franchise guy. And Tony Romo, in case you forgot it, 
is 1-6 in, in his career in win or go-home games. That's both playoffs and regular season, like this December's this past December's game against Washington. Romo's career playoff completion percentage is 59.3. He's thrown four touchdowns and two interceptions in the playoffs. He's had a playoff game with a 64.7 QB rating and a game with a 66.1 quarterback rating. Tony Romo doesn't win playoff games. No, no, he actually loses playoff games and loses a lot of them. As I said, he's 1-6 in, in his career in win or go-home games. So never mind the fact that from a financial perspective, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Cowboys because they're going to be back in cap jail next year with a $22 million cap hit or close to it. Also, remember this. You're committing these kind of money, these kind of years, to Tony Romo at 33 years old. Come on. Just because the Cowboys maybe had to do it, even though they have no one to blame but themselves, but fine. Jerry Jones had nowhere to go. Hands were tied. You know, he pu kept punching himself in the face. It, it, it's like that game, you know. The Cowboys franchise and Jer how Jerry Jones manages them, it's like the game as a kid. I mean, you, you, you ever see a bully in high school pick on somebody? Or, you know, in my case, I was the one being picked on. <laughs> Always good for some levity. No, but you, but you ever know that game, you know, a bully comes up to you takes your fists and punches yourself in the face and say, why are you punching yourself in the face? Why are you punching yourself in the face? And you say, you're punching me in the face. I can't stop. Well, that's Jerry Jones and the Cowboys. Why are you punching yourself in the face? Well, he can't help himself. He's punching himself in the face. Somebody is making him do that. And that somebody is him. I know it's a convoluted metaphor, but I hope you got it. The Cowboys are their own worst enemies. How about that? That's a bit more clear. A bit more clean for you. They're their own worst enemies. And I also reject the notion that this was the only way Jerry Jones and the Cowboys could have gone. Only way. Nope. No other options. Except give your franchise to 33-year-old Tony Romo. He have the 1-6 record in must-win games. Oh, no. I reject that. Let's talk about Alex Smith, who was traded to the Kansas City Chiefs this offseason. Smith would have been a better option than Romo. Cutting Romo would have produced a $9 million cap hit. So, less than the $16.8 million cap hit. Smith's deal has roughly an $8.5 million cap hit for the upcoming season. But, if the Cowboys signed Smith to an extension, they could have saved about $6 million on the cap. I think Smith would have been a better choice than Romo for the immediate future. Why? Because he's actually won a couple of playoff games, which Romo has not done. So, look... It was a bad situation in Dallas, and they created the bad situation. And signing Romo, that gets him out of the bad situation a little bit this year, but it doesn't get him out of the bad situation for the immediate future because they're going to be right back in it next year with that monster cap hit. And just because they had to do this extension, just because they maybe had to do the signing, doesn't make it a good signing. In fact, it's a horrible signing, maybe the worst signing of the entire offseason. No, I'm sorry, it's undoubtedly the worst signing of the entire offseason. Makes a Joe Flacco contract look like an absolute bargain. Now, to close out the first down segment, crappy quarterbacks switching teams. Crappy quarterbacks going from one crappy team to another crappy team. That's the, that's the theme that also uh, transpired across the NFL this week. The Oakland Raiders acquired another quarterback, Matt Flynn, goes from Seattle to Oakland for a fifth-round pick and a conditional pick in 2015. Flynn is just one year removed from signing a three-year, $26 million contract with the Seattle Seahawks. 
let's give Pete Carroll and the Seahawks a lot of credit for having the gall to stick with their decision last training camp, uh, appointing Wilson the starter, putting Russell Wilson ahead of Matt Flynn on the depth chart, keeping it that way, and you know saying, hey, I know we gave Matt Flynn this three or twenty-six million dollar contract in free agency, but Russell Wilson is the guy to win with. Russell Wilson is the guy to go forward with. And, you know, you got to win. You know what you're trying to do? Get the best value out of your free agent contracts. Or are you trying to win? And the Seahawks are trying to win, which is why they started the best guy out of camp last year, Russell Wilson. And they're giving Wilson the job going forward because he's earned it. So I give the Seahawks credit for recognizing early on in training camp last year, Flynn wasn't working for them, or at least that Wilson was the better option for them. So they sat foot on the bench. And traded him to Oakland. They got pennies on the dollar for him, but oh well, you're trying to win. You know, you're not trying to amount the best value. And, you know, looking at it from that perspective, this is an upgrade for Oakland just because they gave up really nothing for him. I mean, Flint stock has nowhere to go but up from here. It's the classic low risk, high reward kind of signing. Or maybe low risk, medium reward. But the reward is still higher than the risk. And that's a good thing. I mean, again, just two years ago, Matt Flynn was maybe the highest-touted free agent quarterback. And you can make the argument Flynn has more potential going forward than Carson Palmer does. And if the Raiders bought him out, they'll be at the front of the draft again next year when Johnny Manziel's coming out, and it promises to be a really top-heavy QB class next season. So, it's a win-win for the Raiders. I know that sounds weird to say, but it is. Because if Flynn bottoms out, fine. You can get your guy next year. And if Flynn lives up to the hype... You may have a pretty serviceable quarterback on your hands as you try to find your next franchise guy. So, I actually like the move for Oakland just because they really gave up nothing of value for him. And the draft picks they did surrender for Flynn, they theoretically could get back in a Carson Palmer trade. Now, as of this recording, the Palmer to Arizona trade is not yet complete. There seems to be a snag in negotiations, but Palmer wasn't awful last year. I'll say this, he's a lot better than Brian Hoyer and John Skelton were. He had an 85.3 quarterback rating, 22 touchdown passes, started 15 games, and because the cost with Palmer is so low, he's worth the gamble until the Cardinals find their next franchise guy. You could say a similar thing with the Cleveland Browns, who currently have Brandon Whedon under contract. They traded Colt McCoy to San Francisco for two draft picks last week. McCoy will back up Colin Kaepernick. The Browns also signed veteran free agent Jason Campbell last week to a contract. Invite Campbell to camp, have him compete for the starting quarterback job. And, you know, this just shows how much the Browns have whiffed on quarterbacks in recent years. McCoy was once the future. Now he's a backup in San Francisco. Whedon was the first-round pick last year. Now he may be the backup to Campbell this year. It shows just how important drafting and developing your quarterback is and how if you don't have the quarterback, you're not going to win. It's a cliche. It's obvious. But, I mean, just look at Cleveland. Here are their starting quarterbacks since 2002. Ready? Tim Couch, Kelly Holcomb, Jeff Garcia, Trent Dilfer, Charlie Fry, Derek Anderson twice, Brady Quinn, Colt McCoy twice, Brandon Whedon, and now maybe Jason Campbell. And you wonder why the Browns are where they are since heading back to Cleveland. That's why. Look at the Bills. They signed Kevin Cobb to a two-year, $13 million contract. The Bills are just spinning their wheels by signing Cobb and are totally wasting Mario Williams. And they gave Williams that monster contract last offseason. Disappoints this season. Defense plays poorly. Team plays poorly. And this year, they're continuing the rebuilding phase. The ultimate rebuilding phase. The spinning your tires phase, really, with 
bringing in Cobb to replace Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. But again, the Bills are screwed. Like the Browns are screwed. Like the Cardinals are screwed. Like the Raiders may be screwed because they don't have a quarterback and teams are signing up their quarterbacks. Elite guys like Brady, Drew Brees, guys like Joe Flacco, who are mediocre in the regular season but win in the playoffs, crappy guys like Tony Romo. <laughs> teams are signing up their quarterbacks. We talk a lot in baseball. Well, the recent extension signed Justin Verlander, Buster Posey, Elvis Andrews, just to name a few over the past uh, handful of days. Talk about the death of free agency in baseball, how no quality player players in the prime of their careers are hitting free agency anymore. Well, you could say the same thing in the NFL about quarterbacks. No quality quarterbacks in the prime of their careers are hitting the open market anymore, which is why Peyton Manning last year to Denver was arguably the biggest free agent signing in league history because it is so rare that a quarterback of that caliber gets to free agency while he's still in some part or portion of the prime of his career. You have to develop your own guy. I mean, look at Buffalo. Here are their quarterbacks since 2000. Look at this uh, parade of suck. Rob Johnson, Doug Flutie, Alex Van Pelt. No, no relation to Scott Van Pelt, at least to my knowledge. Drew Bledsoe for three years. J.P. Wassman for a couple years. Kelly Holcomb, Trent Edwards, Brian Brom quarterbacked for a few years. Ryan Fitzpatrick for three years. I mean, that is awful. Awful, awful, awful. You have to hit it with your quarterback. And, you know, I'll say this positively about the Browns, even about the Bills signing Cobb, though, wow. Campbell on a one-year deal, Cobb on a two-year $13 million deal. Ugh. I mean, why couldn't have the Bills have swung the trade for Matt Flynn? I don't know. It's a lot of money to give to Kevin Cobb. But I'll say this. You have to hit it right on your quarterback. And with the amount of money you have to allocate to that position, you can't make too many mistakes or else it kills you. I just asked Oakland. So, you know, I mean, a team like the Bills and Browns have no other choice but to get a stopgap guy and bottom out next year and then the year after get to the top of the NFL draft when supposedly a ton of quarterbacks are coming out. But it just speaks volumes about how important the quarterback position is and how really none of them, even ones that are somewhat good, kind of good, maybe, like Tony Romo, <laughs> are signed up for the long term because, you know, you can't risk it. You absolutely cannot risk it. Or you're just left spinning your wheels for over a decade, like both the Bills and Browns have done. Last note, too, before we get on to the second down segment, I do want to commend the Houston Texans on a very good offseason thus far. We talked about the Ed Reed signing last week, and this week they added to the list signing punter Shane Leckler and fullback Greg Jones. So a good offseason for Houston. Indianapolis has improved. Darius Hayward Bay signing this week, which I love, giving Andrew Luck a legitimate deep threat, a more dynamic option at receiver. But... Houston won the division last year and restocking this year with Ed Reed, Leckler, and fullback Greg Jones. Now here in the second down segment, we look at the biggest off-field NFL story of the past week. And with all the quarterbacks that have been signed to extensions, Breeze, Manning, Peyton Manning, of course, a free agent contract with Denver, Brady, Flacco. By the way, remember all those people, or people in quotations, because if, you think like this, I don't know if you really can think enough to function in everyday society. Uh, you know those people who said that Tom Brady didn't take a discount from the Patriots this offseason? Oh yeah, look at the Romo deal, and now tell me Brady didn't take a discount. Please, you're embarrassing yourselves. You embarrassed yourselves then, and you look even more stupid now. 
come on. So, Aaron Rodgers, the next quarterback to get his big deal. Headline on ESPN.com NFL section this week. Does Aaron Rodgers have to give the Packers a discount? Do the Packers deserve to get a discount from Rodgers? And my answer, as I said in the opening, is unequivocally, no. Rodgers does not have to give the Packers anything. Now, Alex, wait. You praised Tom Brady for giving the Patriots a discount a month and a half ago, so I don't understand. Well, maybe now you will. Tom Brady has already been paid a lot in his NFL career. Tom Brady is married to one of the richest women in the world. Tom Brady, financially, has more money than he, his kids, his grandkids, and his great-grandkids will ever need. Okay? So, Tom Brady is on a totally different playing field than any other quarterback player in this league. And that's not to take credit away from Brady. Because Tom Brady doesn't owe the Patriots anything. You know, if Rodgers takes a hometown discount, I'd commend him. I'd say, wow, winning's more important than money to him. But I'm not expecting that out of any player, even a guy like Brady in the financial position he's in. In the NFL, you have to get paid. In the NFL, and this is a theme for those of you who've listened to the show, I almost always side with the player. Why do I almost always side with the player? Because the NFL contracts, of course, are non-guaranteed. In baseball, football, and baseball, basketball, and hockey, excuse me, I'm 50-50. Sometimes I'll side with the player. Sometimes I'll side with the team. Because the contracts are guaranteed. For example, I think there's no movement clauses. These no trade clauses are ridiculous. Get rid of them. They're ruining sports. Jerome McGinley last week. Flames and Bruins agreed to a trade. But McGinley calls it off. He wants to go to Pittsburgh. So the Flames take a lesser package from Pittsburgh because McGinley wants to play there instead of in Boston with the Bruins. That's absurd. You cannot have players handicap their teams like that. And I say it's absurd because with a guaranteed contract, that money is coming to you wherever you're playing. Calgary, Boston, Pittsburgh, does not matter. Jerome McGinley is getting his money, regardless of where he plays for the rest of the season. Same thing in basketball, same thing in baseball. Your money is guaranteed. You're getting paid regardless of where you are. You don't want to risk getting traded? Don't sign the contract. Players in those sports have rights. They have the guaranteed money. In the NFL, you don't have the guaranteed money. Teams can cut your ass and pay you $0.0, repairs, nothing. You're out on the street. You're on your own. And these teams will do it with you. NFL owners especially, cutthroat dicks. That's what they are. And that's why they've gotten to where they are in business. But they just treat you as an asset, not as a person. Now, yes, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers is closer in management than any other player on the roster. But still... Rodgers is an asset. Rodgers is a brand. Nobody should expect Aaron Rodgers to give the Green Bay Packers a discount. Now, the Packers are a bit of a different situation. They're a public trust. They don't have a singular owner. So maybe it's a little different with Rodgers. And maybe that's why Rodgers will give the Packers a discount. But Matt Ryan for the Falcons... Perfect example. He is also due for a contract extension in the near future. Should Matt Ryan give Arthur Blank a significant hometown discount? No. He owes Arthur Blank. He owes the Atlanta Falcons nothing. It's a business. That's what these billionaires keep. That's why they, you know, had the referee thing last year. 
It's a business, you know, we gotta eliminate their pensions. It's a business, not personal, just business. Yeah, we're gonna give you a crappy product for three weeks with incompetent referees, but oh, it's a business. Understand it's a business. Okay, it's a business. But it's only a business for you. You know, if it's a business, it's gotta work both ways, right? So, don't slam the player, don't slam the agent in the media when the player's taking you to the wall in negotiations, just like you would take him to the wall. It's a business. Okay, fine. Not personal, just business. I get it. I like it. I like capitalism. I'm a big fan. But then recognize that in the business negotiations, there are two sides. So, no. Rogers, Matt and Ryan, though, maybe the better example. No quarterback, no player. Deserve to, deserves to give his team any semblance of a hometown discount. If the NFL implements guaranteed contracts, then I'll change my tune. But until then... Tune's not changing. Players have no right in that league. None whatsoever. They gotta look out for themselves while they still can. Now it is time for the third down segment, the Big Upper Soul Down segment. I say a statement, and then express my agreement or disagreement with that statement by saying Big Upper Soul Down. Question number one. The Baltimore Ravens signed safety Michael Huff last week to replace Ed Reed. They've signed Huff, Chris Canty, Marcus Spears, and Elvis Dumerville this offseason, pick up or slow down, after everything they've been through, are the Ravens better on paper than they were last year? It's a good question. It requires some thought now after the Dumerville and Huff signings, but I still say slow down. The Ravens are not better now than they were last year. Now, production-wise, Huff could be equivalent or even better than Ed Reed at safety at this point in Reed's career, but... I don't discount Reed's leadership abilities. And as I said last week on the show, I think that's maybe the biggest thing Reed will bring to a relatively young Houston Texans defense, his leadership and how he'll be able to set him up and get him to play better together, which he did for so many years in Baltimore. So I don't discount Reed's leadership abilities on a defense. I think that's very important. Um, look, they have a ton of draft picks, and I trust general manager Ozzie Newsom, one of the best in the game, to draft well. And draft some linebackers. I mean, they let Danelle Ellerby and Paul Kruger go, but they signed Huff, Canty Spears, and Doomerville for pretty much as much money as it would have taken to sign one of those guys. And definitely both of those guys. And what's better, Huff, Canty Spears, and Doomerville or Kruger and Ellerby? Uh, definitely the former. So the Ravens made the right decision there. But still, as I said last week, they have money to sign guys. They signed Elvis Doomerville, the best pass rusher on the market. Gave him, what was it, $12 million guaranteed? Signed Michael Huff, one of the better safeties out there on the market. Signed Canty and Spears, two viable veteran options who I'm sure had a number of suitors who could have paid them too. This was all calculated. You hear the reports that John Harbaugh wanted Ed Reed out. Wasn't a big fan of Bernard Pollard. Why? Because maybe there was, you know, there, there was almost a mutiny on his hands last season. Maybe that's why. This was all calculated. I think the one big mistake the Ravens made was not paying Anquan Bolden the $2 million it would have required to keep him. I think trading Bolden away to San Francisco is a big mistake because I think he was Flacco's favorite target inside the numbers, Flacco's best possession receiver, and as I've said a million times, I think Flacco needs the best options available to him offensively to make him as good of a quarterback as he can be. So I still think really almost primarily because of Bolden and some of the questions at linebacker, though again, I trust Newsom to fill that with the draft. Uh, I think the Ravens got a little worse this offseason. But I'll say this. It looks a lot better than it did a month ago at this time. And this was all a plan. There's no doubt about it. They've signed a lot of guys. A lot of good guys. 
they could have kept whoever they wanted to, pretty much. They just chose not to, and wisely so in some cases. But still, this was all a deliberate strategy by Ozzie Newsom, John Harbaugh, and the Baltimore Ravens. We talked about the veteran quarterback switching teams. A lot of those teams will draft at the top of this year's NFL draft. The Raiders, the Browns, the Bills. Will these trades for veteran quarterbacks have an effect on Geno Smith and some other guys coming out? Big up or slow down? I say yes, they will. And this goes back to a point we were talking about last week, about if teams should feel obligated to draft Smith or draft Matt Barkley just because they need a quarterback and just because they're picking at the top of the draft and just because, you know, you got to get the guy, this year's guy. Teams feel obligated to draft this year's guy, even if they don't feel he is the guy for them. And I say no. You know, they don't have to, which is why, yeah, these moves for veteran quarterbacks, Raiders for Flynn, Cardinals for Palmer, if that goes through, Campbell to the Browns, Kolb to the Bills even. The Kevin Kolb contract, wow. But anyway, point is, yeah, this does affect Geno Smith. It affects Matt Barkley. It affects any quarterback who was hoping to go at the top of this year's draft because teams are saying, you know what? If we don't think you're the guy, we're covered here for next year. The 2014 draft class is supposed to be the real big one with quarterbacks. Johnny Manziel and everyone else is coming out. So we're going to bite the bullet, stink it up this year, get another top five or top ten pick in next year's draft when we know we have the guy we want. And this year, we're going to draft other positions. It's deep with defensive linemen. It's deep with offensive linemen. You know, wide receivers. It's deep with wide receivers this year. Whatever the case, we're going to draft for other positions because we have to get the right guy at quarterback. And we can't... And we can't continue to throw money at the quarterback position year after year and be wrong. Sometimes in sports, you have to take a step back to take to take two steps forward. And these teams, the Browns and the Bills, at face value, may appear to be doing that. Bringing veteran guys, saying, all right, we're at the top of this year's draft, but going to be at the top of next year's draft. And next year's draft is really when we want the quarterback. So, spite the bullet, suck this year and get the top pick next year. And yes, I know, not drafting a quarterback is an easy way to get fired, but drafting the wrong quarterback is a surefire way to get fired. So, big up. If I were Geno Smith, Barkley, or anybody else, I would be nervous at all the veteran quarterback movement to this close to the draft. Last question here. President Barack Obama met with Robert Griffin III at the NCAA tournament last week and spoke to him about protecting himself. Big up or slow down. Does Robert Griffin III need to change the way he plays and protect himself, like the president says, in order to have a long and viable NFL career? I say big up. Yes. Robert Griffin III needs to change the way he plays to have a long and viable NFL career. The position may be changing. And it may be becoming more no, more mobile. And one of Robert Griffin III's biggest assets might be his speed. But keep in mind, Robert Griffin III can throw. Just as Russell Wilson can. Just as Colin Kaepernick can. Just as Andrew Luck can. Robert, Wilson, uh, Robert Griffin III, excuse me, is not Tim Tebow. He's not Cordell Stewart to go back a decade plus. He can throw the ball. He can stand in the pocket and do damage that way. And Robert Griffin III is going to have to do damage more that way than the other way, running around. Because you cannot continually get clocked in the head and to expect to be the man at quarterback for the next decade. 
Robert Griffin III has to alter the way he plays. And over time, I think he will. He has to. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for him. And that's not a bad thing for the Redskins. Because Robert Griffin III has the arm to be an elite passer. That's the good thing. You can win with your arm, not your legs. Take advantage of it. And I think Robert Griffin III will whenever he returns from injury. Which will be sooner than you think. Just like Adrian Peterson last year. Fourth down segment, it's the Remorant, the NFL draft, as we've said numerous times, not that far away. On footballnation.com, a plethora of draft previews. I've been sorting through them, making my scouting reports, making my list, checking it twice, because it's the draft, baby, and I want to know who the sixth best right guard is on the board. Oh, yes, it's springtime, weather's warming up, but who needs to go outside when I have defensive end draft previews to sift over? And many of these people who do a great job, and they're much smarter than I am, are writing these articles, not just here, but on ESPN.com, Yahoo Sports, CBS Sports, Fox Sports, on the NFL Network, on ESPN. And they're saying, this guy's the next Russell Wilson, this guy's the next sleeper, this guy's the next Bustin. I say, stop. Stop trying to pronosticate something you can't possibly know a whole lot about. Stop trying to pronosticate something that teams don't even know that much about. No, there's no next Russell Wilson. There's no next this guy. There's no next that guy. Why? Because every player is unique. If you just copy, you're eventually going to get caught. It's like in school. Let's make another school analogy. I promise this one will be a bit cleaner than my, you know, why are you punching yourself in the face one. No, listen back to that again. I, I, I think it will make more sense the second time around. But anyway, you're at school. You cheat on your tests. You always sit next to the same kid. You always cheat off him or her, and it's a flawless system. You get A's. You get good grades. Well, then there's one test. When that person, that girl or guy, sits in a different seat, or maybe is absent for the day and misses the test, and then you're screwed. Moral of the story. And I, and I didn't say that story from experience. You know, Don't get any ideas, people. But really... Moral of the story, if you just copy and try to find the next this, the next that, the Seahawks found Russell Wilson, so we're going to find this year's Wilson at the end. No. No. Don't look for the next Wilson in this year's third round. Do your own thing. You can learn from other people. You can learn from other teams. But don't just try to mindlessly copy what they do. Because you're eventually going to get caught. And I'm not saying teams in the NFL operate this way, but fans sure talk like they do. But they don't. They don't. So in the meantime, stop trying to find the next Russell Wilson in this year's third round. Stop trying to find the next this or the next that. Go back. Read over your center previews, the left guard previews. Very exciting stuff. You know, because I know you know the Jacksonville Jaguars roster inside and out. All their needs. I know you know, you know, uh, the, the Mountain West Conference. Inside and out, all the teams there, the or the Mountain Valley Conference, whatever it is out there, you know it all. Worry about that. Don't worry about trying to find the next this guy or the next that guy. Because there's no such thing. Every draft is different. Every year, every team is different. Every player is different. If you just try to copy, eventually you're going to get caught. And you don't want to get caught.
Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Football Nation Today podcast, hosted by yours truly, Alex Reamer. We appreciate all the feedback we get on the shows, so as always, feel free to leave a comment on the footballnation.com, Football Nation Today homepage, a couple of comments in last week's show. We appreciate that. Love the listener participation. Also, feel free to send me an email, areamer at bu.edu is my email address. And also, feel free to follow me on Twitter, at alexreamer1 is my Twitter name. So long, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next, next week on Football Nation Today. So long. Enjoy your weekend. Talk to you next on Football Nation Today, next Wednesday. Enjoy your week. Thank you again for listening. We appreciate it.